Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I am Danny, one of the pastors here at Waypoint Church, and I'm joined by a couple of our staff members. Uh, they can introduce themselves. I'm Tony Anderson, the Director of Kids Ministries. Erica Castellani, uh, Director of Women's Discipleship. And I'm Peter Fry, one of the associate pastors here. Awesome. Well, so glad to have you guys. And today's podcast is an exciting one because it's based on um, our previous sermon a couple weeks ago about loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I got that order a little wrong from the uh, passage, but it's <laughs> heart, soul, mind, strength in the, um, the Mark passage that we looked at. But before we do that, let's, let's go into the icebreaker question, and it's linked to the overall theme of today's podcast, but... Are you a focused person, or do you find yourself distracted often? So, because this feeds into how we come to God, because if sometimes it's, if you're a more focused person, maybe it's a little easier, or it seems like you can practice some spiritual disciplines or do things, but if you seem distracted, it seems harder, but, but then maybe also you can experience God in different ways that maybe other people could, so... Let's let's answer the question and, and see see where is everybody's at with this. Oh, I it's a hard question for me to answer. Like, um, I mean, my first thought is that I'm very distracted. Like, um, but I think it depends on what I'm doing. Like, if I'm supposed to clean the house, I'm like super distracted. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna clean. I'm gonna organize this room. Oh, look, I found an old picture album. Oh, the kids. Remember that? I'm gonna text them a picture, and you know, before I know it, I've like not done the task that I meant to do. But I mean, if like I'm into a book or something, I could read a book, and there could be like all sorts of things going on around me, and I can focus for a long time on that. So I guess it just depends on the task but i guess i lean more towards distracted unless yeah something of interest like i could you know if i get into something so i'm hyper focused so you could be not focused on the thing but totally focused on something else that you like better than the thing you're the supposed to be the rabbit trail that i got okay. into okay. on my yes yes wow. exactly yeah how about you tony i I think before I had a baby, I would have said definitely distracted, and now even more distracted. <laughs> I thought you were about to say you got more focused. No, like, my wow. brain is just slowly turning more to mush as like time goes on. Okay. Yeah, definitely like a. I'm like making a bottle. The baby cries. I have to send an email. Like just constant, yes. you know. Oh wow! And how old is little Edie? She Edie is three and a half months. Three old. and a half months. So yes. Hopefully yes. this is just a, a temporary season. Hopefully, with, with not yeah. a ton of sleep. So I'm so thanks for joining us on the podcast in this no busy season. I think I'm reckoning with the fact that I'm easily distracted. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, I'll say it this way: I am very focused if I'm free from distraction. Okay, I can, and I think I'm. I've learned that about myself. So I need to like, if I need to focus on something, I like isolate myself and remove distractions, turn my phone off, things like that. But don't hang out at the Waypoint office. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you and know, I you think, have some staff who are chatty. Yeah. Me, and I'm one of them. Yeah. And I think I'm learning to embrace that and be present in some of the distractions of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a very slow reader. And I think that's because my mind tends to wander um, and be distracted. If I go in the house to say I forgot my wallet, I will probably attend to other things in the house while I'm getting my wallet. So that's me. Yeah, and I'm close to all y'all. I mean, definitely I'm I'm like Erica, where the tasks that I want to be, that I'm interested in, I'm very focused. I think it's interesting because a lot of people know me on Sunday mornings, and I'm extremely focused on Sunday mornings only because it's just a, a lot going on and I'm one of the few people on staff that's kind of especially some Sunday mornings where I'm kind of over the whole the whole uh, program that day so I'm thinking through all the different angles and if one or two people are out of town then I'm really trying to be focused but generally I'm a distracted person I'm I'm chaotic there I, one time I walked into someone's office and it says an organized mess is better than tidy idleness and I was like 
I'm the, I'm the organized <laughs> mess. I'm the guy with this, just papers everywhere. I have mm. to spread out. You felt validated. Yeah, I felt validated. <laughs> so I, I think that I'm, I'm the guy who is generally distracted. I love people, but I love talking to people. I love going on rabbit trails mentally, mm-hmm. you know, with stuff. At the same time, if I have a task and I'm the one responsible for it, I tend to... I'll just plow through it. And I, I think a lot of people are like that in America. We just learn that, you know, and I, and I think our culture doesn't do a great job of giving people margin to, like, to balance the two. Uh, and especially now with work-life balance and phones and emails, like yeah, you said. Yeah, so our phones yeah. definitely didn't help no. the cause at all. Yeah. So. And it's, it's hard because I love reading the Bible on the iPad because I love using all the tools. They don't distract me. They help me study the Bible better. But on my iPad is also where I read the news, where a, a lot of other things happen. So I, I intentionally mm-hmm. took all the pop-up things like WhatsApp and all that off the iPad mm-hmm. so that when I was reading the Bible, at least I'm trying to be focused. So, mm-hmm. Well, thanks for your answers. This will, this will be good and helpful as we uh, think more about the topic at hand, loving God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So I'm going to have Erica read the Deuteronomy passage and the Matthew passage that we that's kind of bait that our talk today and the sermon was based on. All right. So um, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through eight. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And now Matthew 12, 28 through 31. Sorry, that's Mark 12. Wrong wrong reference. I, I wrote Matthew on the paper, but it's Mark 12. Okay, Mark 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And just for reference to kind of set up the rest of the sermon, in Matthew uh, chapter 22, there's a, a similar account, whether it's the same person or Jesus is talking to a different religious leader. Uh, Jesus says, answers, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So he uses, he doesn't use the word uh, strength in, in the Matthew account. All right, so here we go. Let's jump in and... I was fortunate enough to give the sermon, and I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot by looking at these words, but, you know, each four of the words, and they're Hebrew and then the Greek parallels. But one thing that I realized in the sermon is that I didn't get to cover it all, so I'm so grateful that you guys are here to just share your experiences with this. So the first question is this. How would you say your experience in your Christian walk has been of loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is there one that you tend to focus more on or you felt like was stressed more than others? Or did you always think of this just as a comprehensive package? How have you approached this verse? I mean, it's very common. It's read a lot. It's, it's the great commandment, you know. So how have you approached it? What's been your experience with it? I think many of us, I think at Waypoint, have come from backgrounds where probably the mind is emphasized, um, kind of the intellectual understanding. I come from a very like word-centered tradition of the church where it's like, and I think that's a good emphasis of the church, and it's one of our values here at Waypoint. Um, but when we talk about the word, I think often what, based on my kind of upbringing in the church, often what comes to mind is gaining more intellectual knowledge of the scriptures, which is absolutely part of this package of loving God with our whole being. But I think there has been in my life maybe an emphasis on the mind that um, I think as I hear this command of Jesus to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, 
that maybe my tradition has said, well, that starts with the mind and that starts mm -hmm. with intellect. And there is a piece of, of that, but I think as we have this conversation, I, part of my hope for it is that I can come to a more robust understanding of how do I do this with my whole being? Mm-hmm. As you're uh, talking, I'm thinking about how at Waypoint we emphasize a lot that um, the Bible and the gospel transcends culture. Um, and in that, there's blind spots within different cultures. Like they're probably another culture, they're like, oh, wow, we need to like worship God with our mind. We're always thinking about like yeah. our emotions and expression or whatever. You know, so I think it's so important to like remember we're a part of the global church and how we can learn from one another. But yeah, I agree with you 100% that like, especially those of us who grew in our faith through like campus ministries in college, because well, in college, you're already studying all the time and mm -hmm. things like that. So you just kind of your faith becomes, uh, you know, your quiet time or whatever you call it. I even remember asking like people, you know, how are you doing spiritually? Well, I had my quiet time twice this week. You know, like it's still kind of the idea <laughs> of like, test. Yes. That's yes. Test. Yes. and by quiet time, it it doesn't mean like an hour sitting, medit like thinking about God or something. It means I read my study. Bible. I did more an inductive Bible study for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Yes, and that's exactly Especially what Especially in our, my meant. Gen X generation. Yes, yeah, like yeah. quiet mm -hmm. time didn't mean anything that was contemplative. It didn't mean that I looked at it had to be at creation and yeah. saw God's beauty. It was not, it was yeah. like I like looked up the words. I did some you I know circled. circled. I did the, yes. nothing wrong with inductive Bible yes. study, but there yeah, that's definitely so a, yeah, a key was, focus of your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 100%. How about you, Tony? I think similar to what Peter So tell a little thing about yours. Sorry. You grew up Greek, Greek Orthodox, Orthodox and then moved into more of a broad evangelical yes, setting in, in college. college. Yeah. Okay. And I think they're 100% right. Like inductive Bible study, that's, that's your time with God. You study for an hour, but then the only way that you like experience God in other ways is nature. It's either like you have, like, and I'm like, well, what if I, I don't want to hike? Like, I'm not a hiker, I'm not an outdoorsy person. Like, I don't, I mean, sure, I guess I could enjoy nature, but like, that's not the way I'm like wired to enjoy God. Lawrence says that quote a lot, too. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Like He's like, I'm not like a walking, hiking yeah, person. No. So, so or, yeah, that was the vibe, but I think a lot. I remember too a lot of times. I think it's Jen Wilkin quote: you, "The mind, maybe she stole it from somebody. I don't know. The mind cannot love. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. Mm -hmm. And just that, like these four things are all intertwined. Like yeah. they feed into each other. They're all integral for like how to holistically love God. Um, which I feel like, yeah, in my like college tradition, didn't necessarily like learn that." effectively great but over time it's been coming yeah and with that quote it's interesting i guess it doesn't matter where you start you know mm -hmm. as long as you're learning to integrate mm -hmm. the whole self all those the things too so the mind is an okay place to start yeah it just doesn't end there um i like when you said like inductive bible study or nature another thing i was thinking is inductive bible study or taking someone else through an inductive bible study and i and i i think the other one is worship music because mm -hmm. it's even called like now I, I i disagree with it but it's just generally called worship now like it's like we're gonna have worship and that means singing some songs that are written mm -hmm. Like after a certain year or sitting in a certain style, which is has an element of worship, but worship is the Lord's Supper. It's the sermon. It's the gathering of the saints. It's kind of the whole worship incorporates it all. But I, I, I think that, yeah, like people will be like, oh, if I'm the other alternative would be like put in my headphones and listen. And th mm -hmm. those are good things. Like that's actually the most helpful for me because mm -hmm. I'm such an academic person. Like when I read the Bible, it's hard for me to read it devotionally. Because I'm like, ooh, remember like two months ago, that one guy asked me this question, and this would be a good answer to his question, mm -hmm. so or her question. So now I'm like, ooh, like so I I've had to pull back. But mm -hmm. for me, I grew up in the charismatic church in America, which was definitely more emotional. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like loving God with not really the soul or the heart in the way that maybe some more meditative traditions did, but it was like loving God with your emotions. So maybe the strength, but 
and in, in the heart, but it was it definitely the sermons could be just inspiring. Like I mean, not they'd be biblical, but the pastor could say, "I was going to preach on this, but the spirits lead me mm-hmm. to just have more prayer time or whatever." That's what I grew up in. Where then I in college I shifted more to this Bible church type tradition where mm-hmm. the sermons were 45, 50 minutes long and, and then everything was around, you need to know these particular things, particularly heavily focused on New Testament letters. I feel like a lot of my, that period of time was like, you need to know these core truths from the New Testament letters, like some core systematic theology truths are the most important thing. And those were good for me to balance out maybe some of the over-emotionalism that I felt, but I... I always felt like, why can't we just have it all? Like, why can't mm-hmm. we just come and mm-hmm. and and if you're not, if you don't love, if it's harder for you to do one or the other, the spaces that we're creating are so that you you can you can kind of your whole being can worship God. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really grateful in the last 10, 15 years that that's been a shift mm-hmm. in the church is to help different groups mm-hmm. incorporate other elements that they mm-hmm. didn't traditionally have. And I'm I'm yeah. grateful that that's happening. Yeah, and I think part of this whole conversation as we talk about the role of mind or heart or soul or strength is we, the evangelical church is largely influenced by the Enlightenment where it's this Descartes, I think, therefore I am. And this question of how do we, because I, I think all of us, we could, like in these backgrounds where inductive Bible study was emphasized and that sort of thing, we wouldn't say that knowledge was our goal. We would say that loving God is our goal. But it comes down to the question of how do we love, how do we create more love for God? And maybe that's the wrong question, but it's how do we do this? And and many of us are influenced by that enlightenment thought that information changes us. And I think that there is, that that's an incomplete picture, that Mm -hmm. it's not more information that will change me, but it really is, uh, my affections have to change, and that includes my whole being. Yes, yeah, I think even some of like, like the greatest apologist, like studying with their minds opened them to the possibility of God, mm-hmm. but they still had to tr- have a transformation in their heart. Mm-hmm. Like if you read like C.S. Lewis's, like some of his biography and stuff, like that could bring him to a point of like, okay, I'm open, but it's still a transformation of the heart. And I, I was thinking as you were talking to one of the biggest dangers, if we think knowledge is the only way to know God, that's very exclusive. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of the world is still illiterate. Um, I think of people who are, aren't neurotypical that maybe could never do an inductive Bible study mm-hmm. or articulate the gospel, but they can know the love of God that transforms their heart. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we're really limiting things when we, you know, are so narrow mm-hmm. in our understanding. All right. Can I yeah, add yeah. to like, I don't, I don't want people to think we're just like hating on inductive right. Bible. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I feel like we're we coming all, back yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah. but it's a piece of the puzzle. Like, mm-hmm. right. right. Yeah, you know, we're about to have two Bible studies, men's and women's studies, yeah. coming up really soon. Yeah, our it's sermon series thing. definitely mm-hmm. break down the text. That's mm-hmm. our goal, mm-hmm. but we don't want to break down the text just to give you some academic knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right? We want right. to we want to mm-hmm. get you into this meditative literature that is the text itself. Mm-hmm. The text generally is 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 to get us to know God and feel God and experience God. And if uh, you have gifts for learning, mm-hmm. then use those gifts to, to learn more about mm-hmm. yeah God and to study and yeah. to be able to teach others. So Waypoint too. Academy is all about mm-hmm. knowing God and, mm-hmm. and experiencing God, but it's but it's 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 growing our minds, but it's also growing our hearts and our, our mm-hmm. souls and our strengths and our toward God. Yeah, thanks Tony for that reminder. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna briefly talk about the the four words and, and give their Hebrew and parallel Greek definition just just to kinda Give a refresher, and if you didn't listen to the sermon, you should. And Tony has a warning for us: like, just go ahead and watch it on YouTube because there's a lot of hand motions happening that you will not get via the podcast. That's how I listened, and I was like, "What's happening?" Yeah, unfortunately, they taped the first sermon, not the second one. And the second one was, I was a little more awake. I forgot to eat breakfast that morning, and when I was up there, I, was like, I didn't even think about the nine o'clock service and stuff, and I was so excited. And so then, see, I, your body is important. Yeah, so my to love him with your strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My body was a little. I was a little more disjointed in the 
but we didn't record the second one. But yes, I if you if you if you need that, go back and listen. But the the word for heart, the Greek, the Hebrew word, just donates the it it it's the seat of thinking thinking processes in the will. It's kind of like so the Hebrews didn't have a word for brain like we do or logic like they they thought you thought in your your heart area. I'm doing it now the most. <laughs> they thought you thought in your intestines or they thought you you thought with your kidneys. And each of those were different. Like the intestine thought thinking was more like my gut. Like cuz you feel it. You feel a lot of when when you're thinking hard, you might have knots in your stomach. So that was part of their thinking. But also they thought that the heart was was because you thought with your whole being, like they they just didn't separate it like we would. Mm-hmm. And the the Greeks themselves also their heart can mean inner self and your mind. So like, and we, and we have this in English, like you know talking about like I felt it in my heart. So so we can put the two together. But that's that's kind of the origin of that word. So when Jesus is saying that, he's he's thinking of these Hebrew people and the Greco-Roman people who think of heart as just. A little bit of thinking, a little bit of feeling, and a, and a lot of yeah, just just your emotion. Uh, the word the word for spirit or soul is breath, throat, or neck, or in in Hebrew, it's literally like your life breath. It's the thing that gives you life. And they would have thought that this is like the spiritual part of you. But they could notice that you know if you saw a dead animal and an alive animal, everything's the same except for there's something. The, the flesh is the same, a recently died animal, but the one doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have this life breath in it. So that's where, but they also thought this was connected to what, you know, the, the part of you that, that goes, goes up to meet God or when you die, you know, just, just like we would. And then in the Greek, that's the word psyche, and it, it refers to a person's inner life or inner life principle. And I would say that the soul is the one that a lot of modern people are trying to foster through meditation and all these other things. They're trying to deep breathing. And I would say that that's, that's the part of us, like what's this inner person, this inside of me? And then, then you have strength, which is exceeding force, abundance, just, it's not, in the Greek, it's not necessarily physical strength, that's a deviation of this word, but it's more your personal potential, your capability, your capacity. And then finally, the word mind is only in the Greek, and it just means it can mean understanding, intelligence, but it's also the place where our desires originate. So those are the words. So you see when Jesus is putting these together, quoting Moses, quoting Deuteronomy, he's trying to say like every part of who you are, no matter what culture you come from, needs to be lined up with God and in tune with God. Any, any thoughts on as you hear those words or as you, you think about like just, just how, a, how a person at that time would think about just coming like Jesus saying this like when you when you heard the sermon sorry this wasn't in the question seat so they're all looking at me like you didn't put this one on there Danny yeah I think it's a big question so that's why we're all like taking a deep Mm. breath before we try to answer it and I think part of me wants to explore this idea of soul and like how do we love God with our soul like this like Kind of like the essence of our being. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? So, one thing I was thinking as you were talking about soul, like spirit being connected to breath, and how interesting that thought is. Like, even when you talked about a breath is missing, like there's a point on earth when someone takes a last breath, and that's Mm -hmm. it. You know, like there's something very, I don't know, poignant about that, thinking of that. And I think, like, um, like I do yoga, not as a spiritual practice, but as like a physical, like it's good for my body and stretches, but like so much of it is focused on breath and how breath does help regulate you. Like when a child is really upset, if you can, you know, count and take breaths, there is something that like changes within us. So I don't know. I just think like breath and spirit, I'm just thinking about that. I don't know if I have a complete thought, but I I like that comparison. Yeah. Interesting, when I was writing the sermon, like that week, um, Erica was, said she wanted to do a new yoga session, like, you know, t- to get back into it for stretching and stuff. And she t- puts the YouTube video, this famous YouTube uh, yoga instructor, and it happened to be 
the one where there's no like actual stretching. She's just introducing the 30 day series. And she was trying to use spiritual terms. She's not teaching it like from the historic Indian yoga perspective, but she's trying to use these terms about stretching and physical activity and your mind. And it was real. It was almost surreal as I'm literally at the kitchen table prepping this Mm -hmm. sermon and listening to this woman try to say, like, there's something inside of you that you also need to work on as you're working on your physical health because mm-hmm. it's, it's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. She just didn't have the words to say that, yes, the Bible talks about this and it's your soul, it's your inner person, and you can foster that and you can grow that. And it's connected to your mind and it's connected to your heart and it's mm-hmm. connected to your whole body. So it was, it was almost like the world is searching for this yeah. This, yeah. this answer yeah. and this, what, what do we do? Like, there's got to be more. Like, just going to work, waking up, doing this yeah. is not satisfying something inside of me, even making, even being wealthy or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's this desire in each of us for wholeness. And I think, you know, one of the phrases used in the yoga realm is like, connect to your intentions. Connect mm-hmm. to your intentions. Wow. And so I think, as I think about loving God with my soul, I think... I think that kind of that terminology and that phrase is actually probably a really helpful, like when Mary, um, do you do like the 30 days with Adrian? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing yeah. I'm yeah. talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not center right we, now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ma- Mary has done that many yeah, times and, yeah. and like and sometimes I'll join in and <laughs> it's, it's fun to like hear some of this and Mary's always like, mm-hmm. if you take a gospel-centered perspective to what they're talking about Mm -hmm. like it really is you know like you're saying there's a lot of parallel to we don't want to live life without purpose and without wholeness and as christians we believe we find that in christ Mm -hmm. and in um, our new identity in christ and as we rather than emptying our mind in those moments we fill our mind with mm-hmm. we have been raised with christ and we have been seated with christ in the heavenly places and connecting with that I th- and as we talk about soul i think part of it is connecting what we know about god with what we feel about our kind of uh, mortal existence. Mm-hmm. Like we live in a broken world. Our bodies, we, we are faced. Yesterday was my dad's birthday. He passed away 12 years ago. And I was just reflecting on just like these, these things of death remind us that we are finite. Mm-hmm. And I think part of worshiping God with our soul is allowing what we know about ourselves and the world and God and like thinking about eternity mm-hmm. and that like loving God is more than this moment mm-hmm. um, that I was created for um, an eternity with God mm-hmm. and that's bigger than simply what's on my schedule today. And but what's on my schedule today is not divorced from that, and so that's mm-hmm. where it comes to my whole being. Wow. Yeah, I think I love uh, the Bible Project has a video about heaven, and it talks a lot about how we think of heaven as like a place outside of here. But when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, it was the spiritual realm intersecting mm-hmm. with our life, and so mm-hmm. I think our spirit. Um, worshiping out with our spirit is those moments when we're aware of the physical and the spiritual together too. And I think there is a mystery to it. Like, you know, it's hard to explain what you like about a song. You know, if you, mm-hmm. even if, like if you understood like music theory, you could break it down, but still it wouldn't like hit the element of why something resonates with you sometimes or like sometimes you don't understand why you cried or why you know you have goosebumps or why Mm -hmm. you know like that there is a mystery to it as well in in john's gospel uh after jesus is comforting mary and martha lazarus's sisters and jesus says to her your brother will rise again And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked her, do you believe this? And I think that's the beginning of this theology of like this union with Christ and mm-hmm. this, this idea that our souls are a part of who we are now. They're part of our physical bodies, but they're the part that's going to be reunited with our physical bodies in the final resurrection. Mm-hmm. And missing that or, or not f- developing our souls, we're, we're, not, we're, we're ignoring a part of our, our core identity as Christians. And, and, not that, and, and inductive Bible study is part of that. Like, mm-hmm. how did I, I had to read this passage and think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the people who come up with the union of Christ theology, which is kind of what we're endorsing here, mm-hmm. is, came to it through deep Bible study. They pulled various passages through the Gospels, mm-hmm. particularly the Gospel of John, and then some, th- some of Paul's teachings and puts it together and comes up with this doctrine of that we are united with Christ now, we'll be united with Him. It's done through the Spirit. It's, it's a mystery, but it's also easy to understand. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy how you guys are bringing us to that. And going back to, like, Tony's point and talking about we don't want to, like – hate on any one aspect like emphasis of any one aspect too because i'm like oh yeah we should think about the spirit more but also not at the exclusion of the body and like Mm -hmm. serving people and being Mm -hmm. like present in our communities Mm -hmm. and fasting and dancing and you know all of those things Mm -hmm. too and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves because that's what right the that's linked to this and that might mean just making a meal or yeah doing Mm -hmm. something very physical yeah so let's keep going. And so how do you make it happen, like, in your personal life? Like, how have you done this or tried new things? I mean, we, we definitely talked about all of us, all four of us were trained in the historic model where you, you wake up, you try to have a quiet time every day, spend some time with God, which is amazing. Like, it, we're not, we're endorsing that. We're like, do that, keep doing that. But also how do you, how have you learned to continue to worship God with, with your whole being in, in your, not just in the Sunday morning service, but even in that, but in your, your daily walks, your daily routines, and and then into spaces where you're gathering with other believers, any things that you have done that God's taught you as, as you've matured as, as a person that have been helpful. I think one concept, and I'm starting with a concept, but like one concept that's helpful for me as I think about loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength is trying to break down the divide between the sacred and the secular in my life. Um, I think so often we think of, you know, Erica, you referenced the question of how's your spiritual life? And we go to, you know, reading our Bible, praying, like, spiritual disciplines, um, which are absolutely good things and are often litmus tests of our spiritual life. But my spiritual life is even the play that I have with my kids and the relationship I have with my wife, the interactions I have at the grocery store, like that those aren't less loving God in those moments Mm -hmm. than when I'm sitting with my Bible and praying. And I think for me, it's continually, like, it's kind of like continually pushing against, pushing back against that divide that we so often feel um, because, and it's just the natural, like, we feel like the most spiritual people are the monks who are always like mm-hmm. having a quiet time and mm-hmm. the least spiritual are the ones like, I don't know, just working in the kitchen all day, you know? Yeah. And I think that's not mm-hmm. the case. Or in our tradition, maybe strength is also important. We've talked a lot about mm-hmm. mind, but also strength, like the, the zealous Christian who's always doing something mm-hmm. like, right. and it, where I've struggled with that has been kind of I'm a high energy person but that doesn't mean just because I'm always doing stuff and a lot of it's for Christ because I work in mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a full-time Christian worker mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that I'm doing okay w- with my relationship with God mm-hmm. it just so on the outside it could look great Danny's but also I'm just a high energy person I don't need require as much sleep as other people mm-hmm. I can quickly recover from you know I just don't need as much rest 
or downtime as other people. So it could seem like I'm a better person. I'm a, and it, but it's not like there's many times when I'm struggling with my own faith. And if I did a secular job, I would probably have the same amount of energy or whatever, you know? So, mm-hmm. and I don't even think that's necessarily the strength. It's part of the strength that, that this is talking about, but this strength should be available to everybody, not just people who naturally were born with, with higher energy and, and don't need as much downtime. So mm-hmm. I think it, Jesus would never ask something of, of us that wasn't for all the personality types, for all the intellectual types, for all the different, all of us can do this. So mm-hmm. I, but I think sometimes in the evangelical world that I grew up in, like I was praised, certain people were praised for their mm-hmm. energy and their zealousness for Christ mm-hmm. and how much, how many hours a week they could put into it and sometimes those people, including me, weren't fostering their soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They weren't fo- their heart and their soul, their mind was fine because that's where we start in our mm-hmm. tradition, maybe in other traditions. Mm-hmm. So right. just, just some thoughts for me on this. Yeah. Like I've, I've had to learn to foster it in my soul. And God put you with a wife who needs less arrest. So there you go to help you out <laughs> and help me out too. But um, yeah, I re- actually remember even when we were first overseas doing ministry and there was this kind of emphasis on the more people you could meet, the more you could do. And they, I remember they even called this guy a ministry machine and that was supposed to be a compliment. And I'm like, wow, that's the goal is never to be a machine, but to be human, you know, a more human. So it is interesting that, yeah, I think it goes back to our idea of this, yeah, balancing it and knowing that we're never going to do all of these perfectly mm-hmm. anyway. And thankfully, that's grace and, and growth as, as, you know, the Spirit guides us. In it's these. interesting that, yeah, yeah. that the uh, word, the other word, so that this is about us as a physical body, uh, individuals, to love God. But the uh, and Paul in Romans 12 talks about like being transformed by the renewing of your mind, kind of re- reflecting on this. And then Romans 12, like three through whatever, all the verses after it about being the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So even as a whole, we're a body that can't do it all. Each person has to be a part. Interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, and to speak to Peter's point too, I was thinking the same thing. I think it's helpful for me, been helpful in recent years to think about, oh, the Holy Spirit's always with me. And like you were saying, Mm -hmm. even in my enjoyment of things that wouldn't be considered quote unquote spiritual. Like mm-hmm. when I go watch this play, when I'm enjoying this meal, when I'm, you know, having this conversation that might not always lead directly to a spiritual conversation. Mm-hmm. It's still God's in that and being aware of that. And um you want know, practices just like kind of like short prayers throughout the day. Like mm-hmm. yeah, definitely having time for extended prayer some, but also just, you know, mm-hmm. a sentence or two and note reminding myself that mm-hmm. yeah, God's in all of it. I think that's, Erica, like what it looks like for me a lot right now and what Peter was saying too, like the, I think every moment holy is a resource that's really great for this Mm -hmm. and not like you were saying, like it's not trying to Jesus juke like every action of your day, but just taking whatever moment to bring your mind awareness back to God. So like, I love that every moment holy has a two things about changing diapers like Mm -hmm. and it literally says because there are a lot of diapers to change and just that moment of the awareness of the act of what changing a diaper means for a child um helps me to like incorporate those into my everyday Mm -hmm. actions yeah as i was thinking about the podcast a great book is liturgy of the ordinary by tish harrison warren And uh, she says in that book, the Reformation toppled a vocational hierarchy that had placed monks, nuns, and priests at the top and everyone else below. The reformers taught that a farmer may worship God by being a good farmer, and that a parent changing diapers could be as near to Jesus as the Pope. This was a scandal. And I think as I think about worshiping God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's just like like you're saying, like those ordinary moments of life are the sphere in which I'm called to love God. Mm-hmm. And it's not, um, I'm loving God in this arena and not this arena. And I think my prayer for us as we, as a church, 
consider this is that we would see every sphere of our lives as the sphere that God has called us into to love him with all of our being and to love our neighbor as ourself. And there's a lot of freedom I find in that. Mm, yes. Um, it, it frees us from some of our legalistic me- tendencies when it comes to the litmus tests of our spiritual lives. And um, yeah, it, it, it's an exciting realm that I think Jesus invites us into when he gives us this command. Mm-hmm. Well, so this will feed into our last question. So the the Deuteronomy passage, which comes right after the second, re- the second proclamation of the Ten Commandments, a lot of people may not know that Moses gives the Ten Commandments and a set of laws to the first generation in Exodus, and then a lot, and then he gives a new set of laws, like a renewal of the covenant, and he reclaims the Ten Commandments. But he, he says this this line that we are to that these commandments are to be on our hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And it's really neat that Jesus quotes this as the greatest commandment. And, and then this is kind of how Moses frames the idea that that loving God and loving others are to be who we are. Loving And he gives, I would argue that Moses is kind of giving a, a framework for how to do that. Like, So how what what would be... I mean, we could take this literal, and I do. I've been in people's bathrooms where they have Bible verses up, you know what I'm saying? It was, I don't know if it's still common, but it was common back when I was in college or whatever, you know, people would. And now I live, I guess you go to Hobby Lobby or one of those yeah, places I was like, now. We and, have some Bible and buy verses. Those. Up, but yeah, I'm saying yeah. people, used to, <laughs> people used to write it on, people used to write it on an index card and put oh, it around yes, their house, yeah. like friends mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Like, that's yeah. trying to make God part of your whole being. Yeah. Uh, but, so we could we could take this literal, but what are some other ways that we can do this? Like how we've mentioned some of these things, but just yeah, it's just any final thoughts on how to just make God part of all of who we are? Some things that have worked for you, or some things you struggle with. I think one is in making decisions. I mean, some decisions are just more neutral, A or B. It's more your heart and how you do it but I think sometimes to stop and think in this decision is there an option that helps me love God with my whole being more and love my neighbor as myself and normally that second part is easier to Mm. kind of parse out but yeah in decisions so yeah and we're always making decisions we have a lot of choices like we were we were sitting around the office yesterday just talking about just some things at waypoint and one of the conclusions that we came to in the room was man, part of why it's so complicated to be a Christian in America is we just have a lot of options. Mm. Like right now, most people could pick up, move to another state, and just try a new job. Where far- Christian farmers in poor countries, like their dad was a farmer, their grandfather was a farmer, they're going to be a farmer. Maybe if the kid's super academic or whatever, they might be able to get pulled out of that situation. But generally speaking, we have a lot of choices, so it brings a lot of stress to us. So I, I really like that, Erica, because I feel like even – we we can we should be coming to God with mm-hmm. with these things and say how can they help me love God and love others so mm-hmm. I'm going to take that advice mm-hmm. and, yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and then but then we don't want to be legalistic about it we want to be like oh like we pray about it we make the decision we trust God with it now if we learn that making that decision you know next we can learn from it but we can also say God I prayed about it I I did it and now I want to trust you in it mm-hmm. I think. To be honest, I'm learning what this looks like. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like three months into the having a baby situation. <laughs> like, yeah, coming out of a campus ministry background, like ev- things look different as you go through different seasons. And yeah, I'm not sitting down in the morning and doing my hour long study. And so I'm learning how to turn to God in these small moments throughout my day and. Something that was helpful, uh, the staff team's reading a book called Possibility of Prayer. Yeah, By Possibility John Stark. Yeah, it's, it's great. really good, and it's helpful for to remember the like desire or the 
like what is the motivation for wanting to be with God? Like why mm. are we doing this to because we want to behold and see and experience the beauty of God and mm. I don't want to have this like weight on me that I feel obligated to pray or obligated to do these spiritual things and be a spiritual person just like because like because I'm a I work at a church or because I should but because we get to see God and experience mm-hmm. him. And so when I come back to that like Peter was saying like it's freeing instead of just feeling down on myself like oh I'm not very spiritual today like all I did was maybe for someone else do my office job and come home but at the end of the day we're invited to use small moments to turn to God and that can help us experience him yeah that's good I think um one practice that is helpful for me um and 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 part of it is like maybe because I didn't come from a tradition that practice say meditation in um in the sense of coming to the word in such a way where i'm sitting with it and chewing on it and not trying to break it down um but really letting it kind of break me down um i think is a really helpful practice to cultivate, especially if you came from kind of the more um, deductive style of approaching scripture. Um, because I think what it does is it does kind of allow you to, and, and the Psalms continually talked about talk about meditating on the word day and night. It allows you to let the word sink in. And as I hear, like was listening to that passage from Deuteronomy about like posting it on your door frame and, and putting it around, I, th- I think of this idea of meditating on the word day and night. And how do we do that? I think it's in those small moments of life, allowing the truth that we intellectually with our minds read in the word sink into our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, one practice for me is just continually coming back to the Psalms. I, I've heard you say, Danny, like that's for your quiet times, like you kind of have to go to the Psalms because it's this place where it connects both your head and your heart and my encouragement is when you read the psalms like resist the urge to try to make like an outline of it Mm -hmm. and really let it engage your imagination because it is poetry it is meant to um create images in our mind of who god is how beautiful he is Mm -hmm. how glorious he is um how loving he is and and sit in that. Let it fill your heart and mind, and then let it kind of thrust you into these other spheres of life to love God with your will and your strength and your affections. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Man. And piggybacking off the book that Tony was talking about, we read chapter two as a staff. It's called The Possibility of Prayer by Pastor John Stark out of New York. And, uh, in chapter, two, if you just buy it for chapter two alone, it's worth the eleven <laughs> bucks. It is in the Waypoint Library. I'll even add an extra copy because we had one laying around. But he says, you know, we we come to God because God is holy. We worship God as as holy. We worship God as joyful. We worship God as beautiful. We worship God as relational, relational, <laughs> and we worship God as available. I read the two together (laughs) you know how they create new words like ginormous i just relationable i just created a new word he's relational and available uh god is available and and all these he the book all these come from the psalms like and they're they're reinforced throughout the rest of scripture but we see these patterns over and over and over again and that's and we can come to god so in so for me it's i got to think of god as beautiful like I know he's relational. I was taught that as a kid, and and it's still very important. But for me, I need to think that God is more beautiful than all these other things that are vying for my attention. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't do that because I have so much stuff to steal my attention. I have so many ways to 
do leisure, to do work, to, you know, so yeah. many, so many distractions mm. all around me. I'm, I mean, I'm literally looking around the room. I have my laptop open, my iPad, my phone, you know, you mm-hmm. know, just, there's, there's just distractions everywhere, all these different places I can go. And many of them are good. Like I study God's word on my iPad, mm-hmm. but I need to see God as more beautiful than all these other things. So that, that's where it's really been for me. I, I haven't, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. I haven't fully mastered it yet. I would say I'm definitely not the contemplative person. I'm still more the task, you know, get things done mm-hmm. kind of guy. And I see God as a list of tasks. You know, sometimes I got to do this and this and this. And it's been good for me to learn from other brothers and sisters who teach me more to slow down and reflect. Um, any final thoughts or things you guys have? So I think what you said about coming to God and beholding his beauty. Um, Tim Keller, I think, is someone who helped connect, like a very intellectual thinker, but also like he had a series called Preaching to the Heart. And he says this, you can't change merely by changing your thinking or through great acts of will, but rather by changing what you love most. Change happens not only by giving your mind new truths, although it does involve that, but also by feeding the imagination new beauties so that you love Jesus supremely. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll end by the words of Tim Keller. And mm-hmm. thanks, y'all. Let's continue on this journey as a church body, as individuals, as in your community groups, and all of the different settings. So let's stir each other on in loving God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength so that we can love our neighbor as ourselves. But this is this is why we exist as a local church. So, And if you're struggling with this, talk to somebody. Let them know because we're, we're, we've got to do this together. And I'd say we're all struggling through this yeah. together. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just, I hope today's conversation let you know that none of us, even it took us a long time to prep this podcast because all of us are like, we're still figuring this out. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So let's continue that together. Y'all have a a great week. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you on Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye.